and welcome to Aspen Weight Live. Delighted, uh, as always, to be here uh, and for you to join us. And as we always say at the beginning of the show, please do get your comments in uh, today. Uh, we want to hear from you and we'll read some of them out and uh, get into your comments uh, throughout the next half an hour. If you're listening on the podcast today, uh, I hope you had a great day. Thank you for listening on the podcast. And we've got a real treat for you at the end of the show uh, where we play you today's song. I am delighted, as always, to be joined by the CEO of Aspen Weight, Paul Waits. Hello, Paul. Hello, Ben. And I'm delighted to be joined by John O'Harris, who's a regular Thursday fixture on this wonderful show. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. You you guys all right? Is it sunny down in Somerset? You can see it is. (laughs) Very good. It's cloudy here. It's cloudy in in Reading. uh, Yeah, same in Oxfordshire. Yeah, I forget yeah. we're quite close. Um, we're quite close. Yeah. So let's get on with today's show. And we've got a fascinating topic, which I believe is going to um, b- b- encourage a lot of opinion amongst people that are, are watching yeah. and listening. We had a small chat after the show on Tuesday, Paul, and we were talking about the supermarkets. And it's, we were. It's, it's well known that it is like Christmas Day for them, almost every day and obviously i'm not privy to their yep. figures but they they have done very well and I'm, i know it's probably no, a wrong fi- thing to say do well out of this but the, fi- the figures are public on the public record okay ben. brilliant well we can talk about those um and we were talking about what they are going to do because they are ob- they are obviously in a position where they're doing in- incredibly well should they be taxed on their <laughs> excess profits and has a precedent already been set for this? Uh, and I, I'm interested to get your initial thoughts on it, Paul. Yeah, as you know, that was, that was my suggestion, which is um, I, I actually made the observation that uh, Paul Waite, who is the uh, archetypal capitalist uh, believer in the market economy, is suddenly in his old age uh, coming up with uh, policies which sound more like Jeremy Corbyn than... Um, than, than let's say a, a, a typical Tory voter, but um, as as I have discussed many times uh, in my career and uh, over over the course of our podcasts, is one of the things I strongly believe in is, is uh, the concepts of what I call relative fairness uh, and also social justice. So um, I think we've got a situation at the moment where, um, and this and, and this also we let's let's not lose sight of the fact that the market has been deliberately altered by the government. So the government has uh, forced uh, people like garden centres to close, uh, retail shops, hotels, restaurants, cafes, etc. So these people, through no fault of their own, are the very real losers of the uh, campaign to flatten the curve for the NHS, which is undoubtedly the... uh, only strategy this government has in my opinion um so one of the things funny enough i think i said this said again i've said this before i had i was fortunate to attend a question time uh like uh, meeting which i think Jono was at actually if i remember rightly do you remember at bristol yeah. golf club yeah i remember it uh, very well yes indeed. yeah and uh, i i played uh, a, a probably a typical paul role on the panel uh and it sort of ended up with sort of me and this this lady being sort of very very much on opposite sides of the fence. Uh, but the point I was mostly making was that 
Um, it's very rare to find a situation where you just have losers and losers or winners and winners. Usually situations have winners and losers. So although undoubtedly at the moment uh, the economy is net losing, um, and there have been figures bandied around this week as high as 35% uh, contraction, I think I reported in the show last week that the economy was operating at 69%. Um, but obviously, if you look at it from the point of view of, uh, you know, the big, the really big supermarkets, uh, not only, you know, are you right in saying that they are selling more uh, of their core produce and products than, than they normally would, they're also selling, well, the only people selling plants uh, and uh, mostly uh, the only people selling alcohol, for instance. So their horticultural sales and their alcohol sales are literally uh, through the roof. And I think the figure I read was over 20% up on, on normal trading. Um, so it just seems to me that uh, society as a whole has, obviously has an enormous bill uh, that comes out of all this protectionism. Um, the uh job retention scheme, the furlough scheme in itself is estimated to cost £40 billion. Um, and as I said on the show last week, in my opinion, it may take the economy up to 10 years to recover from what's happened here. Um, and we will, we will definitely see um, probably the biggest contraction in the economy. Um, I think actually it's since uh, 1706. Wow, I think, I think, I think, I think that's the right year. I don't, I, I wouldn't bet my house on it, but it's not far off. Um, so we're actually going to see uh, a bigger contraction than the Great Depression, which uh, really puts things into context. And mm. I think that um, it just seems to me that if you believe in justice and fairness, that if you've got a group of people that are making, uh, I, I would imagine, let's say. Uh, each of them are making hundreds of millions of pounds of excess profits, partly of which are forced by the change in demand, if you see what I mean. So people don't have the choice to go to 10 garden centres or Morrisons. They can only go to Morrisons. So therefore, Morrisons uh, are the only people that can sell them a plant or whatever. So it seems to me that one of the things that the government ought to do is to say, okay, well, um, it, it's only right because you've benefited from this that you make you make a super contribution. Um, one of the things that I uh, mentioned to Ben in our our post uh, live stream discussion was, wouldn't it just be lovely if just one of the supermarkets actually self-regulated, as as how I call it? So you know, one of the supermarkets chief executives said, look, this isn't right, you know. We, we've made all this money and there's all this misery. Um, and I don't know. So let's say they said, right, we're going to fund all the garden centers that might go bust. You know, whatever it was, you know, we're going to set up the Morrison's fund or the, the Asda fund or something, you know. Now, you know, my view is the, ch the chances of that happening are about as, 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 as real as, as, uh, as me being the king of Thailand, you know. Um, and hence, if that does happen, I think it will have to be a, a government measure. So, um, yeah, so the, so my point is, and going back to the point just to cover about precedent, 
Um, there have been precedents in the past with um, super bank levies. I think also possibly um, there may also have been a precedent with the oil companies. So, you know, there is there is a precedent in history for uh, an industry being targeted in this way. And I think it's it should happen. In- interesting, John. I want to pick up on Paul's point about self-regulation. And he meant, mentioned the horticultural uh, industry. I, I remember seeing an article a couple of weeks ago in one of the papers, which was Tesco's urging people to only come in for food and essentials and to not go around their clothes and CD and book range and come on, let's be sensible. Isn't isn't that really, um, that's really disappointing from the supermarket? Shouldn't they be closing aisles or should they have been closing aisles like that? Um, rather than just thinking, well, actually, we'll just allow people to buy what they want because we're going to just make loads more money. Well, I don't know. Um, people are people. People are people. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be quite hard for the larger ones to to close. Well, is it going to be that hard? I don't know. I don't think they have. Um, but uh, from from what I can see, like if you look at Sweden, Sweden have not closed their pubs. That their, their children still carry on going to school. Yeah. Um, their uh, restaurants are still open. They, they've said to their population, um, "Why we're going to trust you to socially distance yourselves in in a in a manner that relies on you to to take personal responsibility." And admittedly, their per thousand deaths is at about 118. In the UK, we're just under 200 per thousand deaths. And in other countries like Denmark and Finland, which are neighbours to Sweden. Uh, their deaths are much lower. They're sort of about fifty or sixty per per thousand. So um, hundred thousand, yeah, per hundred thousand. So um, I suppose the the question is self regulation. Yes, I'd, they're not going to do it though. So no. So yes, it would be a nice thing if they could do it. Um, you know, peop- uh, companies. Uh, do phenomenal jobs in supporting Red Nose Day and sport relief and all of that sort of stuff. But um, if they could self-regulate, so for instance, one of the um, one of the clients or sectors that we do a lot of work with, um, particularly with the R and D tax credits and things, is the produce growers uh, over in there's there's a lot of produce growers who basically feed our nation, and I'm Absolutely. I, I'm I can put money on it that uh, that sains, uh, that any of these large supermarkets have not given them any form of discount uh, on any of their products that they can then pass on to the consumers. Is it- it's worse than that. Yeah. It's worse than that, isn't it? Because uh, we already, and I know this from firsthand because, um, you know, I have um, a large client that has been forced out of egg production, for instance, um, because the supermarkets uh, effectively, um, when it became uh, non-PC to sell battery caged hen eggs, uh, the supermarkets basically demanded organic eggs at the same price as a caged a caged hen. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know you've got you know most reason most um, bulk egg producers uh, in a situation where every day they they have chickens laying eggs, they're losing money. You know, you've got farmers um, exploited for milk. 
receiving a pittance for their milk and then the, the supermarkets doubling the money uh, to sell in in the supermarket. So uh, there is a lot of injustice, um, which obviously is mostly caused by um, by might, isn't it? Obviously, if you're if you've got uh, it's, it's a bit like playing a poker game with a poor person if you're a billionaire. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know. what, what, what on, on the other side, Ben, yeah. um, I, I haven't really seen anything from the government in terms of incentivizing um, like online sales, uh, making it easier for consumers to actually go online and saying, right, well, my local my local um, garden center has closed, but I can buy stuff online from them. What support is the government giving them to to set up online uh, ordering processes so that people can actually say, well, I, these are the types of plants I want to be ordering? Well, that's a very interesting, very, very interesting comment very interesting um, because actually my local B&Q in, in Reading is open for business online. You can order, you go in, it's very organized. You get a parking bay, somebody comes over that's in a mask and they leave something on the side where you can go and then pick it up and you've paid for it. And, and just as you said, logistically, the big companies like B&Q, like the supermarkets, are able to implement uh, this because they're allowed to be open if, if they're doing it. Um, but there is, as far as I'm aware, no logistical support for any business that's smaller and that, that is unable to do that themselves. Um, now, some some may say, well, that's because the government have got other priorities. Is, is that yeah. fair? Is that a fair comment, Paul? Or, or should the government be doing more to help businesses support set up online? Well, I think how I would put it is um, I don't think government sees that's what its purpose is. I don't think uh, government... The, governments this government or any other government uh see their job as um you know doing useful practical things like looking at the reality if they did the horticultural centers wouldn't be closed in the first place mm. i mean to me one of the one of the biggest criticisms i would have uh if i was sitting down with boris and i was giving uh this government uh, a, a report out of 10 i would say that probably the biggest criticism I would make of them is um, I think that any any potentially great person should always be prepared to say they're wrong. You know, I got that wrong or uh, I'm, I'm strong enough to tweak. You know, I thought I thought this was the road, but it's not the right road. I now realize that actually uh, the right road is to do this. So I think that um, I can't personally and I've given this a lot of thought. I cannot think of any intellectual intellectual or societal reason why a garden centre should not be open, but a kebab shop should be. Mm. Right. So um, I think the government should have turned around and say, no, we got this wrong, actually. Garden centre should be open. And, and as we've discussed many times, uh, plants and flowers, etc., are are essential to mental well-being. Uh, people, you know, people want to be gardening and spending time. Uh, and also, of course, um, one of the reasons why plants exist in hospitals, for instance, and, and care homes is because they are they are uplifting. Yeah, they are good for morale. So, um, yeah, so the answer is the government doesn't do it because uh, it's, it's, it's beyond them. It's not something that's on their agenda. Something that we've talked about 
in the last few shows that we've done is the changing behaviour of people after this, when we're allowed to go back out and have a, uh, a normal life and, and carry on and, and be consumers and go into all these shops and places. And, and we talked the last time that we met, Jono, about how, how we might be changed as individuals. And there's, there was a balance between the economy and the environment, etc. Do, hmm. do you think there is, uh, there is a sort of not a pressure, but a responsibility on us as, as human beings once this is over to actually support local businesses to support um the farm shops to go and go into the you know the garden centers and, and steer away from the bigger supermarkets and the b&qs and the places that are doing well out of this and actually as, as a human being be responsible and say well we need to go now i need to spend my money with the people that need it the most i think um i, I don't think that th- there needs to be a pressure i think society in general will just go out and do that uh, once people are allowed out, there, there's going to be an overwhelming support for the local independent shops in the town nearest where people live. Um, people people are going to re- suddenly realise what local businesses mean to them, and they're going to try and support them, I think. So for those businesses that can get through this somehow, um, they, and if they're still surviving at the end, I think they'll see quite a surge in um in, in local people trying to support them, I, I hope so, but I'm 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 not sure I'm convinced that they w- will. I, I, I think no, I, mean, I'm not I think sure. they will in the short term, um, but then then after a few a few months probably, um, you know, life will just get back to normal and everyone will carry on shopping at the supermarkets as as per usual. I think if I might be a bit outspoken as normal, I mean, if you refer to. Uh, uh, society as the herd, then uh, the herd won't. I don't think the herd will do what Jono said. I think um, most people do what is easiest for them, and I think morality uh, is quite low down on the agenda. So, if it's if it's uh, easier to go to ASDA and buy twenty goods, that's what people will do. Um, and let's be honest, you know, one of the things that I've always promised myself about. Uh, the day when I, you know, when I perhaps I'm, I'm, uh, my definition of retired <laughs> is is I'd like to have the time to go to the fishmonger and buy my fish in the fishmonger and go to the butcher and buy my meat from the butcher and go to the baker and buy my my. But at the moment, for me to do that as a very busy man is is quite difficult for me, and therefore um, I tend to do what most of the herd do. Uh, and go into, um, you know, Marks and Spencers or Waitrose most or whatever. Con- most and, convenient um, solution. And it's easy, yeah. And, and, I, and I think that um, where I would agree with you, Jono, I think it would be reasonable. I think it, well, for a start, uh, I strongly predict, which I don't think is rocket science, <clears> that <throat> uh, there will be uh, undoubtedly an element of a boom uh, when the uh, post-apocalyptic period is lifted, um, and as I discussed in previous episodes, that boom, however, will not be anywhere near sufficient to make up for the devastation, but it will nonetheless will be a boom. So if we were looking at um, probably the period from July uh, to the end of September, uh, I would expect to see um, spending up by 10 10 to 20% up on average normal levels. 
Um, mm. A lot, a lot of the shops uh, that have been closed at the moment will will experience Christmas-like conditions for some time to come. I would imagine. Uh, so I think, I think probably enough people will do what Jono said, but it won't be the majority of people. If that makes sense. Yeah, of and, course, and also not for the long term. It'll j- just be a, a term sort of the joy of being able to get out and and go and do something different. Well, of course, one of the problems that, that comes with um, uh, a lockdown scenario is you could argue that um, that the lockdown in itself uh, has, has is going to change forever people's conditioning. So, you know, maybe if you are uh, so let's take my mother, for instance, you know, my mother is 80. Well, she will mind. So she's my mother is 81 this year um, and my mother would we regularly usually be seen marching uptown uh which is probably about a mile for her to get to any decent shop and she probably would um you know go to the different shops a bit like i said you know yeah uh, at the moment she doesn't have that choice so i know that my mum and dad go to morrison's and queue up for half an hour to get in and and i and i would my fear would be actually that the exact opposite of what Jono said could happen, which is that uh, the people that used to go uh, to all those wonderful shops stopped going because they got so used to going to the supermarket. Well, interesting. I'm going to pick up on your point about um, social conditioning because that was my next question. We talk about uh, businesses a lot and the change that businesses are going through. We've covered uh, topics such as your changing habits at working from home and, and actually the effects. And Paul's mentioned several times that things will have changed forever um, after this because the businesses and people uh, like yourself Jono and like Paul are finding different ways of working and we mentioned about cutting down on journey times etc so when we talk about social uh, responsibility and social conditioning and Paul mentioned busy people's lives and when they go back it's going to be busy again and they're going to go to the supermarkets and do what's easy whose responsibility is that is that responsibility of me as a person to say no no I'm going to take responsibility. This is this is how I'm going to work. This is what I can do. And, and I'm going to make time. To, at the moment, I go for a walk and we end up at a supermarket once a week and we walk back with the shopping. I'm going to do those things. Or is some of this responsibility on business owners and people in leadership positions to actually say, right, we've, we've seen how people are working with their, their lives and their responsibilities. We need to adjust to that now and say, well, more people may be working from home or more flexible working hours. Is, is there a, ba- a balance there? I, th- I think it'll be a, a, bit, of, a bit of both, really. Um, I, I do truly believe that some people have, because of having to be at home, they've, they've been doing things that people in the 1940s or 30s or 20s used to do. Um, where they've been together as families, where they haven't in the up until this uh, lockdown, um, you know, husbands and wives would would all be out working. If the kids were a bit older, they'd all be out working, and they would sort of meet up in the evening, switch the television on, and eat a meal in their laps, watching the yeah. screen, having sat in front of the computer screen all day at work as well. Um, and now they've actually had to be together. They've got into their gardens. They've played board games indoors. They've <laughs> thrown a ball around in the garden if they're able to. 
and they're actually communicating with each other. And I think really um, coming, a lot of families, if they get on well, generally, they would have got a lot closer. I do feel for the families where maybe the husband and wife have not potentially been getting on very well, and it <laughs> may have exacerbated the situation. But on the other hand, you know, they might have suddenly realized that they're having to live together and it's brought out all the best points in them. So when people resume back to the normal situation, I think it would be a very narrow-minded boss who would return back to normal and not make any changes. Um, I, I think if, if, if it was, well, one of the things that I, I would be quite happy to consider is to say to all of my team, on a Friday, you know, if we've achieved all our targets by Friday lunchtime um, in terms of productivity, et cetera, take Friday afternoons off to go and visit, like what Paul was saying, go and visit the actual local butcher, go and visit the baker, go and do something that you want to do, um, provided, of course, that we've we've hit our targets for the week. Um, it's no good giving people time if we're behind. But as and when applicable, definitely get out there and um, – and go and, and live life the way it should be lived so that you're not spending the whole of Saturday morning having to go and do all that stuff with the rest of the world. I think there's two um, separate things uh, coming out of this because um, I'm not, I, 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 so there's what Jono said and then there was the original question, which, um, so uh, my, my answer to your original question, as I understood it, Ben, was, um, so the thing that flashed into my brain was, uh, no, we live in a, in a democracy. So your your rather interesting suggestion that people in authority should effectively influence uh, where people went, I think is is a is a bit naive, shall we say, and 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 and, and would have no place in a Western democracy. I think um, you know you you can have influencers. Um, you know, people like Piers Morgan would be an influencer, for instance, you know, who can suggest things. Um, and of course, you know, there are enough sentient, sensible people in the community um, to to hopefully um, make enough difference to um, to do some of the things that you're suggesting. I think picking up on Jono's point. Um, so yeah, I I'm just it's impossible not to agree with his uh, central theme and all the things he said. I mean, certainly, um, I, I have a rather cynical uh, boss's view on his last comment. So I was just sitting there thinking, well, that's good. So uh, that Jono uh, Jono can pay for his staff to go to the butchers out of his bonus. <laughs> 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 but uh, on a serious point. Um, I'm quite happy to say this live because it's because uh, it's true. You know, one of the things um, one of the things I like to say about myself, um, which I'm proud about, is I am someone who's prepared to adapt and change my mind and and uh, understand that what I thought was optimal is no longer optimal and actually a different way is optimal. So. One of the things that I will definitely implement in the Aspen Wake group is uh, I will encourage and implement um, a mixed working uh, protocol, which will give people uh, the option and the choice and the right to work at home as long as it does not interfere with their work, for instance. Hmm. I, think, I think that's a really good point, actually, Paul, that you make, because... Um, 
and one of the probably the original uh, idea that I, I was trying to, to to make there was that that if there are many people that are working from home now um, that are self-regulating that are, are the power really has been taken out of the the businesses maybe slightly different for someone like Aspen Way we've got quite a few people that work from home regularly or or work away from a main site but a lot of people have always been in an office and now they've been at home and they're self-regulating and, and I say that with confidence in self-regulating quite well so they'll say well actually I'm going <laughs> for my walk at one o'clock or I'm going to get to Friday at three and I'm going to finish because I've done everything I need to do and I've been really efficient or to your point Jono last week I'm actually going to go for a walk and a run in the morning. I'm going to start at 10 and work till six. And I think the power has been with people to shape their lives, how they want to shape them a little bit in this situation. So when they go back into work, is that responsibility there as a, as a, as a leader, as you are, Jono, as, as Paul is as well, to, as, just as Paul said, to, to say, okay, well, you know what? Yeah, maybe you have a work from home day or, or maybe you can have a bit more flexible hours. If you want to come in at 10 and continue running in the morning because that works for you mentally and work till six, no problem at all. Yeah, it's um, uh, before this before this lockdown, um, one of our members of staff, important member of the team, um, he comes in from Reading and it takes him 45 minutes to get to work in the morning and again, between 45 minutes and an hour to get back from work. So one of the things I spoke to him about um, in December, I think it was, was um, would it be of any benefit to him if he took Fridays uh, as a day of working from home instead of having to deal with the traffic? Um, So we tried that. And uh, after a few months, he said to me, this is the best thing ever. He said, my productivity levels working from home on a Friday without having to actually talk to anyone else in the office have shot up. My stress levels have come right down because I, I don't have to deal with traffic on a Friday afternoon trying to get home from uh, from from Wantage over back to Reading. Um, and um, and yeah, it, it, it's just having that flexibility to work out what works what what works best. So from Monday to Thursday, he comes in. He's part of the office team, etc. On a Friday, uh, he does that and. Um, yeah, it seems to be getting really, really good results. Yeah, I think um, I'd like to make another. I mean, the, obviously, I've you know, I've, I've um, ultimately, I am the chief executive, and I've had discussions with other people in Aspenway who um, wouldn't necessarily have um, pursued such a uh, "I'm going to keep the family together" approach as I have. I've had people suggesting various people that should be furloughed um and all that and i i i've sort of i've you know i can be a bit quite an obstinate person when i want to be i've sort of rather taken the view that um probably you know over my dead body you know i'm not you know i'm i'm going to keep my uh my people together now you know that doesn't mean to say that i'm not that i'm entirely stupid uh and if you said to me do i think that let's say we've got 75 employees now which is probably about right uh, do I do I absolutely believe that every single one of those seventy five people is working flat out all the time? No, I don't. Um, I would say, uh, however, you know, parking that up, um, what I'm more interested in, which I think is the the right answer to the sort of theme that Jono's brought up, is uh, I'm at the end of the day, I'm just interested in the overall end result. 
Yep. So, for instance, in March, as a group, we achieved a record result. I am absolutely certain that in April we will create a new record result. So I take the view that if, for instance, um, if I was, one of, you know, if I was a, uh, a more ruthless employer who didn't take the sort of more balanced view I did, uh, and I was sort of uh, engaged in a time and motion study on, say, five of the 75 people who might be marginally taking the P, uh, the fact is the herd as a whole is is achieving record levels. So to me, that is a great example of what I believe in, which is the strong looking after the weak, uh, the, you know, the, uh, and so on and so forth. So I think uh, from my point of view, where I, where I totally agree with Jono, is um, if, I, if I had a star, which I have many star employees, to be honest, but if I had a star employee, that was able to do all their work brilliantly in 30 hours, then I would turn a blind eye to knowing that person went for a two-hour cycle ride on Friday afternoon. Because I would have no place to be criticising that person because they were achieving for me, if that makes sense. Yeah. Mm. I think that Darren's made that point as well. Um, on the on the messages said it's all about output and productivity not total number of hours worked and I, and I do get as well we're having this discussion maybe um at a higher level uh, rather than uh, a lot of employees that maybe work in offices and things like that that just can't self-regulate and just wouldn't be good working from home and having that flexibility and their output oh, wouldn't be good enough. so there is obviously two sides uh, to this and the link today and what we were talking about at the very beginning was uh, trying to support businesses uh, horticultural businesses being one example that are struggling at the moment that will need our support and our help once we come out of this and one way to do that is to continue if you are self-regulating working shaping your life not just about work but your your own personal life Paul mentioned about you know going to the shops I mentioned about walking uh, to, uh, to, to shops there's a number of things that you can do and I'm sure people are doing at the moment that we would encourage you to continue to continue those good habits Sorry, one, one of the things I wanted to say as well is um, just picking up on the, the theme that you've both developed. Um, so if you take my, my, own, uh, my own view, uh, one of the reasons why I'm keen uh, that our cash flow remains robust, let's call it that, remains robust um, over this difficult period is I want to be in a position where I can support uh, a deserving business um, if that makes a difference uh, between that business surviving or failing, for instance. And I think that um, while uh, my probably my overall strategy would be unusual, certainly for someone someone operating in my sector, I think there are enough pools across the whole of the UK um, for that to happen. So I think, you know, there are probably, you know, uh, a few hundred uh, people like me uh, who would want to do that. And that's a, and I think, you know, how I look at that, that's, um, so to, to me, for instance, you know, and, and I think one of the reasons John, John and I get on so well, for instance, is I do a lot of things every day that a lot of people would question why I do them. Like, why the hell would you do that? I mean, for instance, I had two conversations yesterday um, about the, the, the new Innovate UK grants that uh, we we announced yesterday morning. 
uh, the £20 million, pounds, it's called a competition fund, uh, effectively, from Innovate UK. Uh, and uh, I've spoken to a number of clients, uh, including two substantive conversations this morning um, about making applications. And um, the client basically said to me, so what are you going to charge me for doing that? Uh, I've also had clients saying that, um, for instance, probably one of my favorite clients, uh, I've been very successful in um, helping them to reduce their rates bill, uh, which they've never thought about. And I'm very confident I'm going to get them £100,000 back um, wow. in, in, in rates, for instance. Um, you know, the client's saying to me, oh, Paul, you know, thank you so much. You're just such a wonderful person, you know. What are you going to charge me for this? And I, I basically say, don't be vulgar. Mm. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing this because I want to charge you for it. I'm doing it because I'm proving to you that I'm in the trench. You know, I am your yeah. friend. Um, yeah, maybe we'll have a chat at some point about the fact you owe me. You know, um, but what was interesting, for instance, and this is this is why I say, you know, one of the reasons why I don't have to say this to Jono, he he, as as an example. Um, so if you take um, the people that I, I think I've probably saved them 100 grand, and not only that, probably um, going to save them five grand a month in rates um, through agreement with the council not to pay their rates, you know. Um, so I've now gone, you know, and, and I, I think you'll guess who they are. You know, this is these are people who are heroes of mine. You know, it's, it's, it's surreal uh, to have one of my all-time top heroes now thinking that I'm Jesus's father or something, you know, <laughs> and, um, and, um, you know, w one of the reasons why I, I believe, you know, I believe in things like the flow of energy and you spend money and you get it back. Uh, I did. All, all I said to them was that I didn't want anything for helping them. I was just happy to help them. Right. Without saying anything about an hour later, um, the wife sends an email out to a substantial business owner, basically saying, Paul Waits, the best bloke ever walked the planet. Um, go, you know, go and become a client of Aspen Waits. Mm. And that and that happens to me several times a day, probably. Um, and, and, and I think it comes through uh, experience and confidence of knowing that's why that's why my first book was called Raising the Bar, Doing Business the Right Way. So, you know, I firmly believe that people people can be nice to each other and supportive. Um, I think John will remember I did a I did a course at um I think it was in Swindon actually. Uh and we were talking about, you know, community values and that sort of thing. And there was a guy there from um one of the chambers or or business sacks. Right. Yeah. Uh and he actually stood up and said, um, he mistook what I was saying. He said, it seems to me, how do you ever make a profit? And I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, you know, your whole message seems to be um, non-profit. And I said, no, no, you're, you're mixing up two different things. You know, you won't find anybody who's more market economy driven than me. Uh, but I believe that I can achieve that in a, in a very, in a very um, different way to, to a mainstream business approach. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating. It tie, like you said, Paul, it ties into everything that we've talked about today, and we've actually got through an awful lot on this show. And I hope you enjoyed it. Please keep your messages coming in, and if you haven't already, I always 
uh, make a plea to you to subscribe to our YouTube channel. And all you need to do is click the bell there and it notifies you uh, to when we go live. And if you're listening on the podcast uh, today, then um, please subscribe if you haven't already to the podcast. You can get that every day to you, whether you use iTunes or, or you use Spotify, whatever you use. And we'll be delivered to you every day, which I quite like the thought of, actually. It's quite nice. Um, that brings us to pretty much the end of the show today. But one big thing does still remain, and that is Mr. Paul Waite's <laughs> song of the day. Yes. So um, we have reached G in um, Paul's A to Z of pop. Uh, so um, picking up on the theme of um, mostly trying to be um, uplifting, but definitely not hoping people will die. But uh, uh, so I've decided to pick Guns and Roses as um, as G. Um, I think probably one of the best rock tracks that's ever been produced, which is Live and Let Die, uh, the Guns N' Roses version. I think, obviously, Paul McCartney wrote the song uh, as a wing song. Uh, and, it, and, it, and in its own right, if Guns N' Roses had never made the cover, I think Live and Let Die, uh, you know, stands on its own as a great song. But I think Guns N' Roses, sometimes you find with covers that someone comes along and takes a cover to a whole new level. And I think Guns N' Roses do that here. They take, um, I suppose, you know, if you're looking at Paul McCartney, a, a sort of rather middle of the road, let's call him that, a middle of the road iconic pop star um, who's written this quite rocky song. And then you've got this rather harder edge rock band come along and say, hey, Mr. McCartney, this is this is a great song. We're going to... We're going to very much like him did, you know, we've got, uh, you know, we played a hymn song the other day where you've got this, um, you know, what were they called? A Gothic metal band or something. Um, You know, so Guns N' Roses have come up the live and live and let die song. It's still uh, melodious and harmonious and got a great, but but they've, it's really got much more boom, you know, more boom and impact. And I I think it's uh, simply magnificent. So uh, the song today is live and let die by Guns N' Roses. It wasn't uh, Live and Let Die, the original version was in a, uh, a Bond movie, wasn't it? Was Live it? and Let Die, yeah, yeah funny enough. Yeah. Live and Let Die, yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> that was the name of the Bond it movie. It was, yeah. Uh, there we go. Um, that was Pierce Brosnan, I think. Yeah. Uh, well. no, it, was, it was Roger Moore. Was it? It was Roger Moore and Jane Seymour Moore played Mott Solitaire. Oh, yes. There we go. A Bond quiz is gonna, would be a whole other thing, wouldn't it? That would be. <laughs> um, listen, thank you so much for joining us today, uh, Jono. Uh, Paul, uh, as always, a great show on a Thursday. We'll be back doing this one um, next week. We have another show for you tomorrow, of course, at 12.30. So whether you're listening on the podcast or watching on the live streams, I hope you've enjoyed it. And we'll see you again tomorrow at half past 12. This ever-changing world